Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. Today, we are continuing with our series. We have this message and then one other message on our series uh, dealing with the picture-perfect family. The picture-perfect family. And we said what we want to do is have a a picture-perfect family on the inside of the four walls of our home rather than just when we take a picture with a photographer and we all smile and we all look good and all that kind I want I want us to be spiritually looking good on the inside. And so today's message, which is uh, part five, is called The Master Key to Manifesting God. And you say, well, I thought we were talking about the picture-perfect family. Well, we are. If you're going to have a picture-perfect family, each person in that family is going to have to manifest God. Okay? To manifest is to make known, to, to, to come to light. If something manifests itself, it means it's going to show up. You're going to see it. You're going to see some results of it. So that's what we want to do is to manifest God in our marriage, manifest God uh, to our children. And since we, I don't think we have any children here, most of the children are there, uh, but uh, all of our senior hires, junior hires, and our children need to manifest God with their parents. Need, they need to manifest God in their schools, in their classes, with their friends in the neighborhood. You need to do the same thing at your workplace. If you have a job, you need to manifest God at your workplace. It's very important to do that. And as we do that, we're going to have a picture-perfect family on the inside. Let's start off in, in Romans, because I think that's where it's a good place to start, Romans chapter 8. And you, you, you know that um, uh, chapter 7, part of it was dealing with Paul in a situation. Of, uh, he's wondering how is he going to, he's trying to live a, a life in obedience to the law uh, in his flesh, which is not going to happen. So it ends up in the last verse of chapter 7, he's saying that, uh, Really, he thanked God that he, he, he belongs to Jesus Christ, that he can't serve God uh, without being uh, with God being in him. So verse chapter 8, verse 1 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, there is no condemnation, none, if we're in Christ Jesus, meaning that on the day of judgment, we are not going to be condemned because we are in Christ Jesus. We have given our life to Christ Jesus. Nor should there be any self-condemnation for trying to uh, uh, walk out the law uh, because you can't walk out the law. That's what is basically saying from chapter 7. And you're going to do it through the Spirit. So it says in verse 2, For the law of the Spirit 
of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. So we have been, uh, when we were born, we, of course, had a sin nature because of uh, the Adamic nature, uh, because of Adam's sin. And it's saying here that even though uh, God gave the law to Moses and people had to uh, obey the law, the law was like a, a tutor trying to lead us to uh, Christ, but you couldn't obey the law. Nobody could obey the law. Uh, so it says that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. So we'll, we don't have to be concerned about it. Let me give, give you uh, an illustration of that. Let's say that the law of sin, uh, let's say the law of sin is like gravity. It's like gravity. Let's say the the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is like a bird. Now, a bird, if you hold a bird in your hand and you throw the bird in the air, that bird is not going, unless, if if the bird is okay, it's not going to fall down. Is that correct? Because by instinct, a bird knows that it's, He's going to fly. The bird's going to fly. The, the, the law of gravity is not going to have any effect on that bird unless something is wrong with his wings. It's not going to have an effect on it because God has made birds so that they can, they, the, the law of lift, they, they, can, they, they don't have to be concerned about gravity. They don't, they don't, they don't cry because of gravity. They override gravity. Where the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus overrides the law. The law of sin and death. It overrides it. We don't have to be concerned about it. You don't have to even think about that law. It's a good law. It's just you don't have to think about it because you supersede that law. Because we're in Christ Jesus. Do you understand that? We're in Christ Jesus. And in Christ Jesus, he has... He has obeyed the law in his lifetime, and so therefore we have righteousness through Christ Jesus and not because of what we do in in the law. We don't have that. For what the law could not do, verse 3, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. Sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh, in the likeness of not in sinful flesh, in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. So we don't have to be concerned about that. So that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now, that's important. The master key we're talking about today is walking in the spirit. We need to walk in the spirit. As we walk in the spirit, we don't have to be concerned about nothing else. Nothing else. If God says that, I want you to love me with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. If he said, love your neighbor as yourself. If he said, 
uh, love your enemy. If he says, uh, I want no corrupt communication to proceed out of your mouth. It doesn't matter what he tells us to do. We can walk it out, but only through the spirit of God. We cannot walk out anything apart from the spirit of God. Because we'll be like the bird that has his wings clipped. If you clip the bird's wing, the bird is going to be now under effect of gravity. You see, so if you try to walk out anything in the flesh, not according to the spirit, you're going to be like the bird with no wings. The head of wings clipped, you throw you in the air all you want to, it's going to, you're going to crash back down. You will not be able to do it. So the master key to manifesting God is walking in the spirit. Okay? Walking in the spirit. Because it says so right here. And, and, and it says that for those who are according to the flesh, and we're not according to the flesh. We're talking about now, it's talking about unsaved people. If you're unsaved, you're going to walk according to the flesh. But if you're spiritual minded, you, you don't have to worry about that. Listen to verse 8. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Nobody going to please God in the flesh. And anybody who, who's unsaved is going to be in the flesh. You can't please God. It says, verse 9, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, when it says, if the spirit of God dwells in you, he's saying that since the spirit of God dwells in you, you don't have to be concerned with uh, being in the flesh. We are in the spirit if we're born again. Since we're born again, we are in the spirit. You cannot be anything else. Let's read a little bit further. It says that, but if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So that verse is a freeing verse for all of us. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Anybody who's born again, anybody who's born again, you have the spirit of God in you. Simple and plain. Simple and plain. God gives us the spirit of God, the spirit of Christ, when we're born again. So how can we be in the flesh? You can't. You say, well, wait a minute. That doesn't make sense because I know I'm in the flesh. I know I get in the flesh sometimes. Yes, you get in the flesh sometimes, but you are not fleshly minded. Your mind, uh, if we go back to uh, verse 6, it says, but the mind set on, that's the carnal mind, set on the flesh is death. You are not you, you are not thinking about the flesh. You are not carnal-minded. You are not, um, I have no desire for God. I have desire only to please my flesh. All I want to do is have pleasure. All I want to do is, is, is live for myself and live for, for my world, live for worldly pleasure. You are not like that if you're born again. You're not like that. What we are 
is that we want to live for God. We love God. We want to, we want to obey God, but sometimes we fall short. That's how we are. That's not carnal minded. That's just that we get in the flesh sometimes. We are practicing sanctification. We're getting there because the Spirit of God is going to get us there. It says, verse 10, if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness, but if the, if the Spirit of him who, who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So I, I, I get excited myself because I know we're going we're gonna to get a, 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 a glorified body. I know that we're going to be raised with Christ. I know that, that, it, that that's so because the Scripture tells me that's so. And that's exciting. That's exciting to me. Now, it, it, do you know that you're going to be raised with Christ? Yeah. You, it says it in Colossians. It says in Colossians, he, he says that you're dead. You're dead. And your life is hid with Christ in God. And when he appears, you will appear with him in glory. That's what it says in Colossians chapter 3. So I'm telling you, we are in a good place. I don't want you thinking that you can't walk in the Spirit. You are in the Spirit if you're in Christ because the Spirit of God lives in you. Now, the thing we have to do is practice yielding to the Holy Spirit. Let's go over to Galatians chapter 5. Let's start there. And a good place to start probably is verse 13. It says here that for you are called to freedom, brother owner, do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. And, and, and we can always say, well, wait a minute. If we're in the spirit, we're not in the flesh. But see, he's saying don't give opportunity for the flesh. Because as long as you're in this body that's not glorified, we are going to have opportunities to jump in, in and out of this flesh. Not this flesh, because we live, live in it, not this body, but in the flesh of our mind, in sin, in uh, just doing things our own way, and getting angry, and, and doing anything that we used to do by habit before we got saved. We can get in the flesh. But he says, don't give flesh an opportunity because your flesh doesn't rule you now. Our flesh used to rule us. Oh, it did. It used to rule us. But when we got born again, now the Spirit of God rules us. We are not obligated to the, to the flesh, to do the things of the flesh. So it tells me here that through love, I need to serve one another. And I don't want to serve one another if they don't serve me. But he's saying that that's not the way love is. He said, but through love, serve one another. Then it says, the whole law is fulfilled in one word. In the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you do not consume one another. And the, the, the question somebody say, well, how do you eat an elephant? And everybody know the answer. Right. How do you consume one another in your family? You know, it, one bite at a time. That's what you do. You, till you consume, because you just backbite. You just, you know, nagging. You just, you know, saying uh, words that you shouldn't say to one another. You know, you're picking at one another. You, you just, uh, you just get angry with one another. Sooner or later, the marriage deteriorates in that kind of environment. So it says that, hey, you, you got to love one another because love is a fulfillment of the law. And since we are not under the law, but we have fulfilled the law, how are you going to fulfill this law? The law, the law of, of liberty, Richard, which is a, a, another scripture, but it's the law of liberty. How are you going to fulfill it? How are you going to fulfill love? How are you going to love people that, that doesn't love you? How are you going to love like Jesus loved? How are, you going, how are you going to love your enemy when your enemy doesn't love you? How are you going to love somebody who talks about you? You know they talk about you. Your, your, your friend who was with them told you they were talking about you. They don't, just don't like you. How are you going to love them? Through the Spirit. Through the Spirit. That's the only way we're going to do it. Only way we're going to do it. How are we going to have a picture-perfect family? How are you going to have a picture-perfect marriage? How, how are you going to uh, have children who obey their parents regardless of what their parents tell them to do that they don't want to do? How are they going to do that? Only through the Spirit. Only through the Spirit. Because the verse we have them memorizing in, in children's church is Ephesians 4, 1, 2, and 3. And what does it say? Children, obey your parents in the Lord. This is right. Doesn't it say that? This is the first commandment with a promise. What's the promise? That things will be well with them and they'll live long on the earth. Right? Yeah. It says, honor your father and your mother. Doesn't it say that? Which is in verse 2. Honor your father and mother is the first commandment of the promise. That's what, that's what it said. So really, we have them memorize that because we want them to realize that that's what you're supposed to do. You have to obey your parents in the Lord. In the Lord. For the Lord's sake. Not for your parents' sake. So when we're talking about marriage, we say that Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Why are you going to do that? Because your wife is so loved up because she, oh, she's so touch-and-filly. If she's so, oh, she's just so, serve, she's just a servant of the Lord. She just wash your clothes. She serve you food. Oh, she just, you know, kiss on you. Is that why you love her? You love her because the Lord says so. Isn't it? Yeah, it is. You love her because the Lord says so. Now, that's not a good thing to tell her. <laughs> but it's the truth. Isn't it? It's the truth. Because if you love her for any other reason, it's going to give out. It's going to give out. Guarantee you. It's going to give out. <laughs> 
And it's the same way with the children. They can only obey and only honor for the Lord's sake. They can't do it because they think mom and dad are so sweet. They're, 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 my, our, they're, they're our heroes, you know. Man, that's going to give out. Yeah. Anybody who have teenagers will know that. If you just have children, you'll know that. The woman, why do you submit to the husband? For the Lord's sake, isn't it? Or did, uh, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm in the wrong place teaching. Maybe I should be maybe in Chapel Hill teaching to that church. Maybe that's the church I'm supposed to be teaching. Maybe that's the message God gave them, not you. But I believe that, that, that women are supposed to be submissive to their husband for the Lord's sake. I believe that's the only way it's going to work. I believe that you might, you might want to be submissive to your, your, your uh, uh, husband-to-be if you're in premarital counseling, if you're, you're so lovey-dovey, you know, when, but it's only last before you get married. Yeah. It does. Because once you get married, you'll find out that, wait a minute, the things he used to do, he doesn't do anymore. He used to give me flowers. He used to open the door for me. He used to do all these things. Now he doesn't do these things. There's a bait and switch on this thing. What is the deal? What is the deal? And you, you know I'm right. If you, I mean, you know I'm right. Yeah, I'm serious. Yeah. Minerva would have never married me. Never, if somebody showed her a videotape or a CD on, 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 on what it was going to be like, she would have never married me. She thought I was a, a knight on a, on, a, on a white horse, you know, riding in to rescue her. Man, she didn't know I was on a black horse, man, I had a black cape, you know, <laughs> had a big P on my chest, pride, you know. Oh, come on. She didn't know that. Because I wasn't saved. Yeah. But I guarantee you, it was so many people in here that were saved when you got married, but it didn't change anything. You still were the same. Yeah. Because we have a flesh that we live in, and our flesh is always nipping and tucking and grabbing and trying to get us to live the old life we always live. And the Spirit of God is trying to get us to yield because we said we gave our life to Christ. And it's said in Galatians, I think it's 2.20, it says that uh, we were crucified with Christ. Doesn't it say that? Nevertheless, yet not I, but the life I live in the flesh, I live by who? The Son of God who died for me, who loved me. So I'm telling you, and Colossians says the same thing. If you've been raised with Christ, then we're supposed to act like it, right? We're supposed to act like it. He says that seek those things above where Christ sits at the right hand of God and set your affection on those things above and not on the earth because you were dead in the life that you 
uh, live, uh, you now live, you know, with, with, with God. So it, it tells us that because uh, your life is here with Christ and when Christ is, uh, will appear, you're going to appear with him in, in glory. So it says those things. Then it says, so therefore, mortify the deeds of your flesh. In the members of your flesh on this earthly body, you're going to have to mortify. And, and it starts naming things like fornication, adultery, all those type of things. And then it goes down and says, put aside those things like anger, wrath, and all those things. How many of us have some anger problems? Okay, three of us, okay. <laughs> you say, well, I have anger, but it's not anger problems. You know, I, my, come on. Come on. It's a... It's a be angry, but sin not. And I guarantee there's nobody in here who gets angry who doesn't sin. If you get angry enough, you're going to sin because you're going to say something you shouldn't say. And in the multitude of words, that one is not sin. So, so I'm telling you that God wants us uh, to walk in his spirit. Now, listen what it says there. It says that. Uh, the flesh sets its desire against the spirit, this is verse 17, and the spirit against the flesh, for these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. So the, so the flesh is, I mean, the flesh is just pulling. The flesh is pulling us, hey, you know, she didn't cook you dinner. Why are you going to do that? Why are you going to be nice to her? Or, you know, he didn't, he didn't do what he was supposed to do. You told him, you told him that, that, you know, to stop by the store. He forgot to stop by the store. He doesn't think about you. He thinks about somebody else. And the flesh is always trying to get you to do something you shouldn't do. Say something you shouldn't say. That's what it does. That's what it does. I'm telling you the truth. And it says here, but if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law, meaning you're not going to fulfill this fleshly desire because you're not under obligation to this flesh. We have superseded the, the, the law, and we are in Christ Jesus. We are like that bird. We're just flying. Gravity doesn't have any flesh. The bird, I guarantee you the bird doesn't even know there's such a thing as gravity. Guarantee you. All, all the bird knows is that, they, that it flies where it wants to fly, it lands where it want to land. It walks where it want to walk. And it doesn't have no clue about any gravity. And God is telling us, he doesn't want us to have any clue about a law that we are trying to fulfill in this flesh without the spirit of God. Because it's impossible to do. He wants us to be only, only mindful of what the spirit of God is saying. Then it gives us some of the deeds of the flesh, and it gives us some of the deeds of, the, of, of what happens if we walk in the spirit. Now, let's go to another, another uh, place. Uh, I like to go over here to, to, to 1 John because 1, 1 John is a, is a good one. 1 John chapter 4, 4 uh, 7 through 11 uh, is it, it, so good because when I say that we have to manifest God to have a picture-perfect family, Going to, then what does that mean? What does that mean I have to manifest God? How can I let God be shown, be revealed? How can I do that? It said, beloved, verse 7, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, 
Let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God. Now, do we understand that if we are given our life to Christ, we have to love one another? I mean, we have no option. You don't want to be in judgment day and God doesn't know you. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because he's already said, the person who says, Lord, Lord, I cast out demons in your name. I did this and I healed this. I did this in your name. He said, depart from me, you workers of nickel, because I never, what, knew you. We don't want to go into judgment with God not knowing us and we not knowing God. We don't want to go there. It says that, why do we not want to do that? For, it says, God is love. How do we manifest God in our picture-perfect marriage, our picture-perfect family, our picture-perfect individual? How do we manifest God? You're going to have to manifest love. That's what God's requiring. Manifest love. If we let love be revealed, love shown, we are manifesting God. Because God is, come on, love. That's important now. That's important. The only way we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna show God to people is to show love to people. That's the only way. Own way. It says, by this, the love of God was manifested in us. Oh, the love of God was shown, was revealed, was manifested in us. How? That God sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. What do you mean? How was love manifest? For God so loved the world, right? That he gave his only begotten son. So there's another way of saying that is what he just said. So, so John 3.16 is saying the same thing as this is saying that God manifested love to us by sending his son. So God manifested love to us by dying for us. Right? By dying for us. How do we manifest love to the world? By dying to ourself. That's the only way. Because it says that if God died for you, if God manifests himself to you like that, then you should do the same for other people. So it's very important for us to die to our selfish needs, our selfish desires, our selfish attitudes, um, and, and love others. That's the only way we're going to do it because that's the, that, that's the law of the Spirit. That's how the Spirit operates. The Spirit of God is going to lead you to love people. That's what he's going to do. He's going to lead you to love God, and he's going to lead you to love people. And the only way you're going to love God is to do what this Bible, everything in this Bible says. That's what you're going to do. Because because God says that if you love me, finish it for me. Keep my commandments. That's what he says. That's a truth. That's the word of God. That God said, if you love me, keep my commandments. 
Right? God, God has a, uh, when you start looking at this spiritual gift, uh, uh, and you say, well, hmm. Man, and looking at these love languages, one of God's love languages is acts of service. Yeah. It's words of affirmation, too. But, but, but see, uh, acts of service is that if you love me, keep my commandments. Do something. I don't want to hear what you, I don't want to, don't give me lip service. Isn't that what it said? Because he said in other places that they, 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 they worship me with their words, but their heart is far from me. So God says that I want you to do something. If you love me, keep my commandments. And so, so what this is telling us that, my goodness gracious, what are we going to do? From Genesis to Revelation, this is what we're going to do. But God already told us, hey, don't have to worry about but, but two of them. Love me and love others. And then we read in Galatians, you remember we read it, we just read it. All the law and the prophets are summed up in this one word, love your neighbor as yourself. Didn't it? And then he, he gave us a new commandment like I given you in John, God's begun. He said, love others as I have loved you. Isn't it? So we can boil all this Bible up into one thing, and that is loving others as he has loved us. You say, well, what about loving him? You can't love others if you don't love him. It's impossible to do. Why should I love others as Christ loved me? They haven't done anything for me. What do we do for God for him to die for us? What do we do for God for him to die for us? Nothing. Zilch. Far from him. Didn't want to be around him. We, 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 we didn't love God. We love God only because he first loved us. How are people, how are we going to manifest God or manifest love to others if we don't love them because they will only love us after we love them? Do you understand that? Because that's the only way we love God, because he first loved us. Then we're going to have to love our enemies, we're going to have to love our mate, we're going to have to love our children, the children are going to have to love the parents before even you think the parents love you or your mate loves you. You're going to have to love them. That's what the Spirit of God is going to lead us to do. And that's what it says uh, in the title. How do we have a picture-perfect family? We're going to manifest God. We're going to manifest love. How do we manifest love? We're going to walk in the Spirit, and the Spirit is going to lead us to love. I'm going to have to yield to that. Because after all, love does do, doesn't do any harm to anybody. After all, what love does is that whatever I would have someone do to me, I would do that to them. Uh, that's in Matthew. And I like to put it another way because I can understand it better that way. Uh, uh, it tells me that as I would have others do for me, do the same to them, I change around and say, as I would have God do for me, I want to do for others. 
because that's what people sometimes they get around that they don't get around it, but they say, well, I want them to do the same thing, but I want them to get mad with me if, if I act that way like they act towards me. No, 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 no. Uh, how you would have God treat you, treat others that way. Now, that changes the whole thing. That's how we're going to manifest it. And that's very important uh, because uh, I don't know any marriage that's going to, that's going to really be a picture-perfect marriage. Now, we can take pictures. And, 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 and smile and, and be close together and all like that. We can, we can do all that. And, and people look and say, oh, isn't that a wonderful couple? You know, that, that's fine. But God knows that and you know that that is not true totally on the inside of the house. We have problems that if I had it my way, I would change that man. When, when, uh, I guarantee you some women say that. And, and a man would say, if I had it my way, I'd change that woman. And, 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 and not, not everything about it, but most of it. Yeah. Now, I realize I have people in here that are engaged. And people who, 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 who have significant others. I know I have that in here. And I'm not trying to burst your bubble, okay? I'm not trying to do that. I'm just trying to uh, be like Paul said, I want you to be wise. You know, so I'm trying to tell you the truth. Now, in, in that how to have a picture-perfect marriage and a picture-perfect family, I'm not trying to tell you there's no hope. Because that last week's message was, in God, there's always hope. That was last week's message. And I guarantee you, we can change this thing because God wants it change. God doesn't want a family like the 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 uh, video clip, the bumper I show, where the, the, the boy said, well, uh, as soon as I turn 18, I'm out of here. And some of you who have teenagers know what I'm talking about. And uh, the girls said, well, they don't spend time with me. They, they, my parents are always doing this and they're always doing that. Uh, and, and we have the, the wife starts off with, well, it's his fault, you know. And the, and, and, and the man said, well, well, you know, I would just want some peace. And then here come the nagging start. All this is going on in the family. We don't want that. But when, you, when it first come on, it doesn't look so good to pitch a perfect family. See? I don't want it to be that way. God doesn't want it to be that way. Because I know that Christ and the church is a picture perfect family. Because I know how it's going to be. Don't you? In, in eternity, don't you know that Christ is perfect? He's perfect now, isn't he? And he's in the process of getting his bride perfect. Do you understand that? Without spot, without wrinkle. Do you know that? So I know he wants husband and wife to be the same way. I know that. Because that's what he said in his word, that a husband loves his wife just like Christ loves the church. And wife be submitted to your uh, husband just like the church is to Christ. So I know how it's supposed to be. I'm just trying to help us get there. And when I do premarital counseling, I'm trying to help them see that the word of God is a standard and you're going to have to live by it. You're going to have to get in it. You're going to have to set your affection on it. You're going to have to seek those things. You're going to have to uh, just do what Deuteronomy said. When you rise up, when you sit down, you got to teach it to your children. You got to talk about it all the time. You have to 
spend time in the presence of God for the spirit of God to change us. You can't be so busy about everything else and expect for the spirit of God to lead us. You can't do it. Okay? So all I'm trying to do is help us to see that uh, it's a picture-perfect family. Now, next, next uh, time, the last message on this, this is, which is six, I will, I will teach on some practical things we can do and some practical wisdom that God has given us through the years uh, and in his word that, that how, can I, how can I be a little bit more wise? It's, it's good to say, I know what, you know what? I need, to, I need to fix my deck. I need, to, I need to do this. I need to do that. But if I'm not a carpenter, even though I know how I'm supposed to be, I can't get it that way because I don't have the tools and the, and the skills to do it. But I know there are people who do have skills to do it. You see? So it's the same way uh, with, with my marriage, with the children, with the picture-perfect family. I know how I'm supposed to be. But I got to get there. I need help getting there. The Spirit of God is going to help us get there. And I want to get there. I've only been married 46 years, so I want to be there uh, because I want to be better. I want to be better. And Minerva wants me better. And we are going to get there. It's going to get better and better and better. You see? And, and, and I know you say, well, man, your marriage must be bad, boy. You know, man, you know, glad I'm not married to you the way you talk about you, boy. You know, uh, well, if, if truth be told, come on now, if truth be told, is everybody needs to improve. I don't know anybody that don't need to improve. And if you're here and you're engaged, which I know is one person here engaged, uh, then you need to be starting on this now, yielding to the Spirit of God, right? Yielding to the Spirit of God. And if you're not engaged yet, but you know, you, you, well, I think it's two people here engaged. Is that right? One, two. Yeah, y'all, it's two people in here engaged. There's two people, two, two people engaged in here. Isn't that great? Let's give them a hand. Hey, yeah, they probably hate they came today because they said, man, this is, you paint a bad picture. No, no, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. I guarantee you that you're going to avoid some of the problems that most people had if you listen and do what we tell you to do. Because this is only what God says to do. Can, every, can everyone who's married say, we, if I do everything this says, which means you know that it's led by the Spirit, I know my marriage is going to be, shoom, right? Okay, here five. Okay, that's good. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.